Alrighty, g'day, g'day, and welcome back to another episode. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge. It is I, Bradley J. Driver. But you can call me Brad or the captain. If you call me the captain, you'd be the first one to do it. It is my self-proclaimed nickname um, as I'm manning the ship over here by myself. Um, and in no way, shape, or form really dictates my ability to maneuver a floating ship or boat or yacht in any way, shape, or form. It just sounds cool. So get around it. Call me the captain. I'm here today to dive into conversation with a guy who I've become quite fascinated by in the course of the last month or so. The first time coming across today's guest was actually when he was interviewing one of my previous guests, Taylor Cecil. And for those of you who don't know him, I'll give him a little intro. You know how we do it. We like to roll it from the top. He is an absolute master behind the lens in the extreme sports world. He has his own podcast, Gypsy Tales, where he speaks and connects with guests from all over the world who are doing similar things to what he does, people who have been in front of the lens when he's shooting, but also people who just have incredible stories to tell. He's a character maybe given away by the name of his podcast that has lived that kind of gypsy life where he's traveled around, um, not finding himself in one location or in one area of life for too long. Um, but today he's sitting in the Gold Coast in his studio and we're connecting here to have a chat. So from your home, your car or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Jace McAlpine. How are you, brother? What's going on, Captain? Mate, you'd be the first one to say it. Um, <laughs> you know, we just spoke before off camera. Great morning here, like Thursday morning. Um, this is the first podcast I'm shooting in a few weeks. Um, realigning with what this was all about for me, the purpose of connecting with inspiring people, people who have stories to tell and stories to share that I believe will have some sort of impact or some form of impact in the lives of those who choose to tune in. Um, and you have definitely had an impact in my way of thinking, my way of thought, and I'm excited to be face-to-face -face with you across Zoom. No, man, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I also go through periods of a couple of weeks where I don't really want to do podcasts and whatnot. So don't uh, don't feel like you're alone in that uh, in that feeling because yeah, I'll, I'll go like a couple of weeks without doing them, and then I'll bust out like five in a week, and uh, and yeah, kind of ebbs and flows. So you ain't alone in that. You know what? It's it's funny on that topic, and you'd be able to relate to this, you know, because we're doing the same thing in many ways. Is I thought about this. I've been watching a lot of Zane Lowe lately. Have you ever heard of Zane? He's a DJ mm -hmm. producer. Mm -hmm. So for those mm -hmm. of you who don't know Zane, he works for Apple and he does a lot of the interviews with some of the greatest, you know, producers, musicians in the world. And yeah, he's done everybody. Everyone. Like he's, he's insane. His contact book is like, it's like the Oscars guest list. Like it's incredible. Yeah. And I was watching a lot of his interviews and there was one in particular with Harry Styles where Harry spoke about, um, the way that he wrote his latest album and the fear of that album not being what we in modern society or culture would define as successful, um, being the hits, the numbers, the awards. And he said, a friend said to me, what's success but the smile on your face? And I really liked that. And it made me think about what I'm doing, how I'm doing it and the way I'm releasing it to the world. And that one day I hope this really does have not just impact on a few people, which I know it does at the moment, but global impact, you know, when you feel like you can help, you want to help as many people as possible. And I thought, is this going in the direction I want it to be? And if it's not, what do I have to do? And I feel like this year really understanding and defining my audience was important, but 
in sometimes defining your audience and thinking about the business, you can lose a little bit of yourself. And the reason I mm. took a few weeks off was to refine that and to reform an idea, which was almost to approach this as a musician would or a producer would mm. and create albums of conversation or collections that I release in one big album form. So finding people like yourself who are storytellers, finding people who have underdog stories, come up stories, maybe it's a full album or collection of my thoughts, the things that I've been journaling, writing down and the journey of that month or three months of my life and dropping them as mm. albums instead of the thoughtless conversation that's just thrown out into the world every week. Because as we set off camera, um, my mind changes like the seasons and the things I love do too. So I think that's the way I'm moving forward with this, but I'm fascinated by the way that as storytellers, we're so individually driven and motivated. And I'm really excited to hear about what drives and motivates you in your work, in your journey. And I think the great, the start of any great story is the start of life. So in a few minutes, if you could sort of give us an idea of where you come from and I guess who Jace is as a human being and, and how you've been influenced throughout the earlier years of your life. Yeah, sweet. Um, well, so I grew up in Cairns in Queensland, um, real young parents. Um, so I'm 33 this month. So I was like 88 was when I was born and yeah, real young family. I think mum was like 21 and dad was like 23 or 24. Um, and then, yeah, just grew up like a real, real simple life in Cairns. Like we didn't have um, a lot of money. Um, both parents kind of worked like pretty, you know, flat out. It was just standard sort of you know low-income Aussie household um my old boy uh grew up racing motocross okay so he like he grew up on a farm and had bikes and then he started racing and then um I kind of was born into this time of my dad's life where he was still like traveling all over Australia racing and um camping was a big thing like if you grew up where we grew up and you didn't have a lot, you just went bush, you know, like you literally didn't need anything to, to go bush. So sort of grew up as a bit of a, uh, a motocross kid, bush rat, um, grew up in uh, like, I spent a lot of time in like Aboriginal communities as well, which was really cool. So I, I definitely, I think looking back on it now, like I had a pretty different sort of upbringing um, just based on like location and, and who my parents were. Um, and then kind of, had like a I feel like I had kind of like a gnarly childhood in the sense like when I got into my teenage years just like the the suburb we lived in the school I went to it just a kind of turned into like a pretty violent sort of place when I was growing up um so I think that sort of shaped quite a bit um of kind of the direction that I went with certain things um but yeah managed to stay out of trouble and uh, finished high school and I, I knew that I was never going to work for people like it just was not on the radar like I was a smart kid but literally barely got through school like I got expelled from a couple of schools I was moved around a lot I was in all these different classes so like I was a very I was like a very cliche problem child at school <laughs> for, for my parents and then I just knew that it would I was not going to work for someone. I wasn't going to do university. So like I got my certificate in year 12 and then that was it. I was done. I just kind of went off into the world and, and tried to figure it out. And I mean, dude, I've had like t-shirt brands. I've had fucking sticker companies. Like I used to make motorcycle graphics. And then I just, I have no idea why I did it. 
but I, well, I was writing, I ended up writing for a magazine um, called Stroke Magazine, which was like a motocross magazine. And, and, and writing was the, the thing that I was the best at at school uh, was English. And I loved writing. So I started going to these races and I kind of knew pretty quickly that I wasn't going to be professional at racing, but that was the thing that I just loved the most. Like, I, I think that was my escape from all of the kind of shit um, that you go through as just like a teenager, you know, like everyone kind of goes through there. That's uh, like finding yourself or whatever you sort of do as a teenager. And um, so motocross was always my escape. And, and I just wanted to, if I couldn't be a pro rider, I wanted to do something where I lived that sport and that sport became my life. And uh, so, yeah, I fucking have no idea why, like my parents never had a camera. Like we don't even really have like that many photos and shit as kids. We got no videos, like literally nothing. And uh, for whatever reason, I maxed out a credit card with a fucking camera and I bought a camera and a tripod. And then I just started filming my friends that were good at riding and were going pro. Um, and then, yeah, that, that there really launched like the film career. Um, and I spent a couple of years in Australia. I got pretty lucky that I was quite good at it. Like I could produce videos straight away that looked like what everybody else was doing at the time on like Vimeo because YouTube wasn't really a thing even. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, I just kind of hustled my way from job to job. I lived in a high ace van for probably four years. And uh, that's where the gypsy nickname come from. And I just traveled all around Australia in this like busted ass high ace. And I just would go to every race I could. And I'd call like different team managers or different clothing, or, like gear companies or bike manufacturers. And be like, hey, like, can you give me $600 and I'll film for the weekend and I'll make this video and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I sort of just like did that and worked my way up and, um, I had a pretty big break, I guess, when I uh, went to America in 2010. And then from the minute I got to America, I was like, fuck, this is where I need to be. Um, so I stayed there for two months with literally zero money. Like, and that's not an exaggeration. Like I had a camera and zero dollars and, uh, I just like couch surfed around America for two months. And then I got back to Australia and was just. I have to get back to America. So I think I stayed in Australia for another like three months after that. And then the next eight years I was in America, essentially. This is fascinating. And there's so much to unpack here. So I'm going to go back and unpack certain things from this first part or this, a good chunk of your life, what sounds like here. And um, you sound like you had a very similar childhood to me, not in the sense that we were like growing up in Wollongong on the coast. We spent a lot of our time here on the coast. We didn't really go bush. I rode a little bit as a kid. Um, but it was always like, I think it was just more out of pure enjoyment than any, um, want to succeed or push it too far in that field. It was just a nice way to spend a Saturday or a Sunday. But I think in many ways, we both had very active lifestyles around family, around people we love and that appreciation for life and how good life is, is something that was a real foundation and fundamental, um, knowing for me as a child. And I think that's led into me doing the things I've done now. And I guess my zest for getting the most out of life, which I sense that you have too. I really want to unpack, um, you know, the, the nickname Gypsy. And I guess what you spoke about there, that disinterest for, for school and the system and the, the disinterest in working for someone or being an employee and really wanting to craft your own life and, and take, you know, be the captain of your own ship, if I may. Yeah. And do you think that's something that, 
was a reflection of the people that you grew up around, the people you spent your time with? Or do you feel like that's something that's been in your nature from really young that want to just, you know, be your own man? Um, honestly, like it came from fucking trauma. Like I, um, it's kind of, it's gnarly. Like I had, I had this like two relationships with my dad, right? So I had this relationship with my dad as like the motocross guy that would like take us to racing and riding. And then he was like our footy coach. And like, there was that guy and I fucking loved that dude so much. And then there was the guy that just like completely hated his job. Like he worked for the, the city council and it was just like, he was just around these fucking idiots constantly at his work. And like, he couldn't never got paid any more money. And like a lot of, um, I think money honestly created like a lot of like problems in my head almost, you know, like, cause I'd see what other kids had and then I'd see what other kids got and then I'd see what we got. And then I got teased a lot because of the things that we didn't have. And that like, it, there was a lot of trauma in that for me and I just didn't really understand it. And, um, and yeah, so I think that was honestly like my drive. Like I really, I looked at um, like, I worked in a video store at 13. I worked at a, uh, I was like lawn mowing and washing cut. Like I literally did everything I could from like when I was 11 years old to make money. Cause I looked at money. It's like, that was the problem. That was the thing that caused all of the problems in our mm. life, you know? And there was a part of me that was like, I started working and like hustling like crazy so I could buy a new bike. So that when I went to the bike jumps, I wouldn't get teased by the kids that had cool bikes, you know? So like, that's literally where my fucking drive come from. And it was super unhealthy and um, knowing what I know now, like if I could go back to myself, I'd be like, dude, just don't worry about it. Like, this is the, you know, this is actually like a good thing. There's like ways that you can look at it. But yeah, for me, like the seeing how hard it was for my dad just to like fucking keep a roof over it, the family and all that sort of shit. And like, the pressures that that created, I was just like, I'm out. Like I, if that's what life is, I don't want that. And it, it's like, some, it sort of even feels like hard even saying that in a way, you know, like, cause yeah. I fucking love my dad so much, but it's like, that's just the cards that were dealt for him, you know? And, um, and it's a cool, it's a cool story for him and my mum. like both of that, like my dad ended up leaving that job. They moved to Brisbane. My mum got a big promotion. Like they do well now, you know? Um, and so it's kind of like a pretty happy ending in that regard. But yeah, that honestly, man, like I, I didn't have an appreciation for life. Like I didn't, it was just in my mind, I was like, dude, you're at the fucking bottom of the ladder here. Like you have to, like your life will get better. Like the further up the ladder you go almost, you know, and not like now looking back at it, I'm like, ah, oh, that's not the right attitude, but just come from where, where we came from that, that was honestly how I saw, um, I guess, you know, like the hustle and the grind and wanting to have a better life. Like that's where it came from. It's really interesting to hear the way that you contrast those two sides of your dad and the, the two sides of your relationship with him and almost your relationship with yourself through that. Um, one thing that yeah. I can, I can definitely relate to is whilst growing up, you know, I'm anyone who knows me, I say it on the podcast all the time. I sound like a broken record, Like my mom, my dad and my sister, are my three greatest loves in life. Like I love them to death, love yeah. them dearly. Yeah. And I have the most amazing relationship with them. They've done so much for me. The reason I'm alive and healthy and happy and where I'm at now is because of them. Mm. And I'm very grateful for that. And we had a, 
we had quite a cozy upbringing, not in the way that was super rich or super wealthy. We weren't the family that was European holiday and every year or doing any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But my, my parents, but worked, a level. yeah, my parents worked really hard. You know, they, they owned our house. My dad worked four jobs for a time. My mum worked two, like they were very devoted human beings to make sure that my sister and I had everything we could have. And I'm really grateful for that. But I think, you know, when you, when you grow up in that and my parents all the time, I seen that they didn't necessarily always enjoy work, that work was a bit of a mm. grind sometimes. And I think growing up with cystic fibrosis and understanding that um, there is a certain mortality to having a genetic illness that, you know, puts a certain, like the statistics say that I lived 36 or 41. And I believe I'll kick that far out of the park because of how healthy and well I am now, which I owe to them. Mm. But there's this sense that money is going to give you freedom, right? That money is going to solve the problems that you will come across or encounter in the future. And so for me, leaving, you know, leaving school, I left school. I was just similar to you, like relatively smart. I was the kind of guy that fluked my way through the first 10 years of school. But the minute I could get out of school, I wanted out to go and find mm. a way to be successful and have success. And for me, what defined success was like being financially free, having the ability to spend the money I wanted to spend, do what I wanted to do, have the things that I wanted. And I think that's why I ended up in real estate because I felt like I could chew the ear mm. off anyone and have a conversation, but property meant money in many regards and in many industries. Mm. So I found myself going down this rabbit hole, which was work harder, spend more time, but in the process, lose health, miss out on relationships not love yeah. waking up in the morning that I got to this point where it was just like, I can't do this anymore and I need to completely change. And that's when I started to understand that the only thing that would give me freedom was waking up and doing what I loved every day and money would be the yeah. byproduct of doing that really well when it was meant to happen. Yeah. And yeah. it's a, it's a really hard thing to realize because our society is built off the back of a financial backbone that is necessary because we're convinced we need to spend money in these areas. We're convinced by certain ages, we need to own certain things and have certain yeah. financial stabilities. Um, and it's, it's so wrong. I get why, because, you know, and, and it's the same thing. Like my parents now, I was broke as a joke until I sold my house. I was very lucky that I worked really hard for a couple of years, spent some of that money wisely in buying a really cheap, shitty property that, just happened. Well, I won't say shitty, it's a fantastic property, but buying a really cheap and sort of bottom end yeah, of the market yeah. property in Wollongong that just so happened to grow 28% in the space of a year as I was broke and needed yeah. to sell it. Like yeah. life, life handed me one and got me out of a hole. But my parents throughout that whole time, that whole year were like, can we help you out? Can we give you some money? And I understood that I really need, like, like we said before off camera, that Jocko Willink quote, discipline equals freedom in so many ways, shape or form. I understood that the discipline for me of getting through that situation myself would allow me freedoms mm -hmm. at certain points in my life where I understood what it meant to be in the hole, to figure it out for myself. And having now found myself free of that, I really understand that um, whilst money is not everything, there are certain freedoms to it. There are certain things that allows you to have certain mm. stresses that it relieves you of. So I think as a society, we're always in this battle with money where it's really hard to understand. Mm. And, and sometimes we have to check ourselves um, if it's the only motivation. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, man, is like in saying all of that, like I literally 
didn't have any money until I was fucking like 32. <laughs> so like I left at 17 and, you know, like I sort of traveled the world and did all the, you know, shit that I did film wise, but like I actually didn't make fuck all money. And for whatever reason, like that, you know, that in my head was like, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to like get out and make this life for myself. And, but I didn't make any money. And it's funny, like I've been looking back at it now as I kind of have figured out a bit more the money side of life um, is I was just chasing experience for the longest time. And I just didn't, I, I was so used to being broke. Like the, um, even the concept of financial, like it's something that I could understand. Like, so it's something that I could intellectualize, but in terms of like the experiential component, it just fully eluded me, you know? So like, I was just, yeah, literally just gypsying around the world would have no fucking money. Like to the point where I would be with all my camera, like, and so a caveat with this, I had like a fucking hundred thousand dollar camera backpack, you know what I mean? So I'd like yeah. made money, but I put everything into the filming and like into my art or whatever. But, you know, like I'd rock up with like a hundred grand backpack with fucking reds and all this crazy shit inside it and hard drives full of this crazy content, but huge Red Bull projects. And I didn't have enough money if they weighed my bag for oversized luggage. So like I've been, I've been in um, like at a luggage check-in in London, like Heathrow airport and just pleading with the chick and be like, Hey, like I'll show you my internet banking. Like I cannot pay this. And she was like, what about a credit card? I'm like, I don't have a credit card, you know? <laughs> so like I'm, I've had, there's just been so many occasions over and over of just, yeah, being fucking so broke still, but just doing this like really cool shit. So yeah, it's funny, you know, like I'll talk about my motivations and shit as a kid and like what I thought and I kind of never ended up doing it, you know, <laughs> never really ended up making much money. But what I never had was a fuckhead boss and I never had a, someone talked down to me and I never felt the things that my dad felt you know like I felt different pressures and different stresses but it just felt like all the suffering was on my own terms not at the hands of somebody else and I think that that's probably what I if I look back at it now like that's probably what I want it was like I'm down to suffer but I want it to be my suffering I don't want it to be suffering induced by somebody else that I don't have control over yeah, I really like that. And and the thing that I think being on the bones of your ass and in a financial sense really teaches you is whether you love what you're doing or not. And for me, yeah, throughout yeah. the whole period that I was, you know, be it a very short period of time a year, I never once thought about giving up what I'm doing. It was yeah. always like, I love this so much and it's so tough, but I'll do whatever I can to make it work. And it sounds very similar for you where I think, it teaches you something about yourself. And, I, you know, I would recommend to most people, you know, like spend the money and the time on the things that you love. And for me, like mm. there's something really beautiful in here. And you talk about how all of your money goes back into your art, into the thing that makes you happy, mm. into the thing that makes you Jace. And, you know, it's why we're sitting here talking today because you've got a life rich, full of stories and, you know, amazing experiences, which that that's what our time on this earth is all about. My favorite quote, another thing that I, I play like a broken record here on the podcast is from the book, the alchemist. And it's basically the mm. motive of the whole book. And it's, you know, that 
your only real obligation in life is to find your personal legend or your purpose mm. and just to relentlessly pursue that. Mm. And, and I love that. What else is life without something mm. that gives you meaning? It's, you know, mm. it's what we're all here to do. It's what we're all here to discover. And it's sad to know that some people just never will. And I'm really intrigued mm. by, I guess what, what I want to ask first is what, I, what you feel like your purpose is like, Define for me what your purpose is, if you if you feel like you know it at this point in time, and how being behind the lens comes into play and and is a part of that. Yeah, man, fuck, I honestly couldn't even tell you. Like, I I, I spoke with um, I had a, a guest on the show, three or four podcasts ago, Adam Raymond, and he's um, fucking the next level moto filmmaker adventure dude. Like, he went like rode a bike from Germany to the pyramids uh, or sorry, Austria to the pyramids while there was like a full on war going on through Syria. Like the whole place was locked down, but he was already gone on this trip. And like, he was like bribing fucking army officials to just get this epic shot of him doing a wheel stand on a bike in front of the great pyramid. And it's just like, that's his, but that's his purpose. It's like, I don't know where the fuck that comes from. And it's, you know, it's the same with, with, me like there's a compulsion like there just is like every morning I get up and I come into the studio and I do some kind of work on the podcast and and I do that regardless whether I enjoy it or not and there's days where I don't enjoy it and there's days where I'd rather be somewhere else and that but for whatever reason like there is like this is just what I might like I get up and I do um and I think that the the more that I like the last kind of three years I've, I've spent a lot of time um, with like meditation and, and a lot of study around different um, I guess just like consciousness in general and, and Eastern philosophy, Eastern spirituality and, and uh, you know, arguments on free will, all those sorts of things. And look at the, at this point, I'm just like hands off the fucking wheel. Like I just get up and I just do like, you're going to do something in the day. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I'm essentially just like, trying to go on autopilot as much as I can and not talk myself out of doing something that would be a good idea. Yeah. I like that. It makes a lot of sense. Let's talk about landing in America. That's not much advice if you don't have something that you're already doing, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of, yeah. it's weird advice for someone because that advice works for me because I've like got this thing now, you know, but I think it's been a continuation of like, you know like I said it was t-shirts and then it was doing stickers and it was writing for magazines and it was filming and then the pot like it's just this I don't know you just fucking do shit and eventually I think if you do enough stuff you'll kind of land on something that that sticks and you just stay in that lane don't don't you think that just as humans like we know when we're doing what's right like you have a Mm. sense of when you're doing something and you go like for me I think yeah, there's things that like, I've had a couple of different careers. I left school. I was a personal trainer. Then I had a fitness business where we do body composition testing. And then I was a real estate agent. And now I'm a podcast host. And like, I quit my job after (laughs) I quit my job in real estate after three weeks of podcasting. Like I had no idea Mm -hmm. how I was going to make it work, but it just felt right. And I think you just know Mm -hmm. when you're doing something you're meant to be doing and sometimes you fall out of love with that and things change and the vehicle for your purpose, you know, starts to look a little bit different or starts to form in a different way, but you know, whether you're doing what you're meant to be doing at the time. And I think intuition, there's a lot to be said for intuition and listening to it. 
Yeah, well, I think um, I kind of uh, have in my head like this idea of like action over motion, you know, like you can sort of go through the motions in your head constantly. And like when you said before, you know, like, oh, you can spend six hours and not know what you did. It's like, well, you, there was just a lot of motion. But yeah. There wasn't a lot of like physical action. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, and this was me, like honestly through my twenties, like I did so much cool shit and I have like went all over the world and there was a lot of action that went down. But I would say that, fuck man, for the most part, it was all just in my head. What I didn't have, the next thing I was going to do, I'm going to do this and then this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. And you're just like, so far down this fucking road and you're just like watching this movie in your head of like what you think your life will be and while you're watching that movie zero fucking action is actually taking place in your life that could do anything towards you getting to any one of those thoughts that you're having so i just think that you know less time in motion more time in action um and you know i definitely have been a victim of that it's just like it's just wanderlust you know like I remember, I remember like almost having like a completely separate life in my mind of like who I thought I was going to be. And you just like indulge in that fucking movie every day. It's like this TV series that you're watching in your, in your head of like what you think your life will be. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, let's talk about those moments of action then. Right. So for me, you're like packing a bag and heading to America. That's a moment of action. That's a conscious decision that, you know, I've mm. got this camera in my backpack and I'm going to chase it and make it happen. Let's talk about landing in America and going, okay, what actions do I need to make now? And can you define some of the actions throughout your life, your career that have had really meaningful impact on the direction of your life? Um, I mean, I guess there's like key timeline things, you know, like buying my camera was the first thing that really like that was an action that just completely set off you know all these chains of events but I mean yeah it was like that and then I think going to America the first time and the another thing like was I come up with an idea for a team there was a team that was going to America from Australia and I was in America and Australia and I'd filmed those guys so like I just popped in an idea I was like you should pitch them a web series documentary and there was like no there was like a web series was like not even a fucking thing at this point you know um and then that was that led to me like essentially staying in America for that eight year period. Um, but I mean, all that stuff, like, like, I don't know if you've heard arguments around free will or things like that, but I really don't think that we have the free will that we think we do. So like, even for you to say like a conscious decision, I mean, when I look back, like, I don't know what the decision making was i don't know why i did any of the things i did like i just did what i did and it it led to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing but i think that the one thing that i've learned for now for like or when i look back i always tried to be really really nice to people <laughs> and like i always made conversation i was always took like a real interest in people and if anything, when I look back, it's that those relationships, like they're the things that provide the opportunities for action, if that makes sense. So it's like, you've got to, you know, you've got to be willing to just do the things when they pop up. But I feel like uh, all of those opportunities come from, you know, like the guy at Red Bull hit you up or 
the guy that you met at this day offers you to stay at his place because you were super cool to him. And, you know, so I, I feel like probably, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that just being good to people was probably the most valuable asset that did set up all of the cool experiences along the way. I shared this off your Insta yesterday. You you said basically what you said there in a little clip off your podcast. Mm. And, and I loved it because it's something that my pop told my dad and my dad has told me, and it's a, it's a conversation that we always discuss and it's the theory of it's not, it doesn't hurt and it doesn't take much just to be a good human and mm. treat people the way that you'd like to be treated. And, and one thing that if I can, feather my own cap for a second one thing that a lot of people say to me like I'm I'm quite active so I get out and I run most mornings or walk down at the beach and I always get tagged in those things on Facebook or Insta where it's like tag someone that greets the whole community and I feel mm. like that's just me I'm like why, why wouldn't you walk past someone and say g'day or give someone a smile or be yeah. a decent human there's a there's something really fulfilling in that personally where it's Mm. I make people feel good by my actions and, and by just being a little bit selfless in, for a moment and something that really isn't that hard or difficult for me to do. The nature of being a good person, which we all have within us, is something that you get so much out of when you give people respect and time of the day. And, and I agree that as we said off camera before we shot this, we had a little conversation for everyone who's now getting the gist of that before we hit yeah. record is the people that I've met along the way over the course of now, you will be episode number 90. It's, you know, it's incredible. You meet so many amazing people. And that's the thing I love about telling stories behind a microphone is I learn from the people I have on, but you create these amazing connections with most of them that, you know, play certain roles in your life and provide certain opportunities mm. at a time. But it's, it's not because you're looking for opportunities or you're looking for, the next business venture or the next person that's going to help you mm. amount to what you want to amount to. It's just because it feels fucking good to be a decent human. Man, my, my best friend, Sam, you'll see him on the podcast all the time. Like he's always on there with me and Karen on his, we go on all the trips together and shit. Like that motherfucker has like his life is dialed. Like his business kills it. Like financially, he's fucking dialed he's got these great people around him like all the successful shit that you want to like look at in life he's got and all of that comes from him being a good person like he's the nicest person like way nicer than me <laughs> like to the fucking ridiculous degree and he takes care of people so much like he calls people comp like his i don't have the energy that he has for people like he he's the kind of person that has so much energy to give other people and as a result of that man like huge business deals you know what i mean like massive fucking network of people that he works with like crazy rolodex of people like the people that think he's cool are people that most you know normal people will look at on a tv and like you know like those kind of characters like just top echelon people think he's the coolest motherfucker in the world and that's because he just is like, he's the nicest person and like being nice to people and being good to people and giving out like a lot of that energy has literally taken care of his whole life. It's fucking crazy. It's insane. Isn't it? I love speaking about friendships and relationships. And obviously you said, Sam's your best mate. Where was that friendship formed? Dude, just at the track. Like just, he was me. He fucking 
was not gonna be good enough to ride motocross and he loved motocross and so he like started it literally started a sticker company as well and then he he grew up in tassie so he we just met at races and we would just would split hotel rooms like we were literally just trying to fucking make it and he was putting goggles on you know like taking care of guys goggles and doing their tear-offs and just like hustling man he ended up being like the rock star distributor in uh, like Rockstar Energy Drink. Like he ended up being the distributor in Tassie. He was like 20, started making millions of dollars and then they took it off him and then he lost millions of dollars. Like he's a fucking, yeah, he's just the wildest dude. But um, but yeah, like, yeah, honestly, just at the track and and um, we, I lived in America for so long. Like he'd come over every now and again and we weren't in contact. Like I'm actually not a, I'm not a big, texter or replier i don't like to text people i don't like to have phone calls i don't answer email i'm the fucking worst but uh so like i kind of i'd see him and then i'd be all in like all right you're gonna come to my house and we'll stay we'll be we'll hang out for a, a week or whatever and then that was it i wouldn't talk to him for like a year um but now when when i moved back home like my brother was the first one to live in burley and me and my brother were basically twins like we're 80 months apart but we do everything together, have our whole life. And um, he moved to Burley and then Sam moved to Burley and then I moved to Burley. So all of us were just like, all right, we all need, we've all spent our time like doing our shit. Like we need to, we need to like have our little community back together. That's sick. I love that. I've got a really close connection with my best mates. Like I've got a lot of really good mates and I'm blessed to say I've got a lot of good people around me, but I've got that foundational group of like, you know, five or yeah. six of us that they've been there. Like every time I've been in a hospital bed, they're the boys that come yeah. up and spend, spend the night, you know, telling stories and having laughs and like just good mates that'll be there for you at your worst. And they're those connections that yeah. no matter the people you meet along the way, you always go back to, but I'm also interested, like for you throughout this journey up until the point where you're at now, who have been maybe, you know, one or two of the, I guess the main relationships or the, the profound relationships that have had a real impact on the direction of your life and who you are as a person and maybe even challenged you. Uh, in what way? Like guests through the podcast or just like um, guests through general? the podcast, people that you've you know, that have been in front of the lens when you've been behind it or just people in general. Yeah. Anyone. Man, I'm honestly so fucking lucky. Like that's the, um, that's the beauty of, of what I've done. Um, and I think that that's the thing that I've really learned. And that's why I think that podcasting is a very valuable thing. So like, no matter what level, so like, regardless of how many people listen to your show, the reason why you should still do it is because people don't have access to mentors in the way that I wish everybody did. Like I'm fucking insanely lucky dude. Like I got to, just because I was good at filming um these guys i got to be around so many people and then you'd meet like the um you'd meet the riders and they're amazing but then you'd meet their trainer who was a south african sas dude that um was a professional cyclist and triathlete and now he trains motocross you know like they're the there's some really crazy people that you can meet and then if you're a good person and you get the number and you stay in contact and you know there's so many crazy people that can have these um, influences in your life. Um, I think through, and, and so not a lot of people have that, you know, like if you grow up in like, when I was a kid, for example, like I didn't have any role models like that. I had my uncle Glenn and I had my fucking dad 
and some of his mates, you know, like it was the smallest, most non-worldly, like I wasn't on a plane until I was 18. So it's just like, you know, some people's worlds are so small because not through any choice of their own um, and they just don't have access. But now with podcasts and with YouTube and things like that, man, you can have access to somebody like yourself that then has access to other people. So there's like this, you know, like branch kind of network that can, uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I think that's why podcasting is so important because that is the juice. Like that is the thing is you're getting to hear this perspective from somebody that's lived in a completely different place to you, lived a completely different life. And you can start to add these different perspectives um, onto your own. You know, it's just like this layer after layer after layer after layer um, that you can build just through like listening to people. Um, but so to answer your question, um, yeah, like there's honestly too many people to, to name um when it comes to the i guess like influences or whatever but i think my like i've got a pretty small circle of people that i'll talk to like daily um i talk to my brother daily i talk to my mate sam daily um and that's kind of it you know like there's only a real small small group of people um i got some friends from cans that i still am super close with my um i got a friend uh he it, Jeremy, he's like one of the Red Bull bosses in America. We're still super tight. But yeah, I mean, I maybe got like five or six people that I'm in real communication with um, on like, a, I guess, a daily level, you know? Yeah. And, and it's important to have some, isn't it? To have some support. I think like, there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ben Crow. He's, I've been sort of man crushing on him a little bit lately. He's an, what's he do? I've heard that name. So Ben is, he used to be the head of basically storytelling at Nike where he helped athletes define and create uh, story. And he's been on a lot of great podcasts. Yeah. I think you'd really enjoy listening to him. Hayes is a fascinating guy and he works with basically a lot of Australia's best athletes. A lot of people in the AFL space credit him to Richmond's turnaround. I'm not a big fan of the sport and I don't know it too well, but their turnaround. Yeah, I their- thought he was an AFL guy when you said it. Yeah. So he mentored, mentored them and basically helped them redefine who they are as a team, the journey they're on and just a really, really well-spoken and really well thought out guy. And one thing I loved in one of his recent interviews was listening to him talk about how it doesn't matter how strong you feel you are or know you are individually. We all need people in our life to help us and support Mm. us through. Nobody does this or goes through this alone. Um, It's not a solo journey, you know, and I really think it's important that people find and have those anchors in their life. And that's usually the people you love and the people you spend your time around. You're definitely a, a result of the five people you spend your time with. And mm. um, so hearing that, I love to hear that, man. I love to hear that a lot of those people that you still speak with daily are people who have been there for a good part of your life. I think that's a testament to your character too. Well, I think the man, honestly, like in doing this, the bigger it's funny like you go through ways of like the size of the show you know what I mean like and the volume of messages that you get the volume of praise that you get that it's a it's kind of a weird thing to navigate and there's definitely it's fucking been super up and down for me of like I get super in to like zoned in on that shit and kind of like I don't know, indulging in a little bit. And if you don't have those people that knew you before the podcast and knew before um, 
you anyone ever knew who you were then it's fucking be super hard to gauge like if you're losing touch with shit you know like when and if you if you listen to any podcast with sam on it like he, all he does is just fucking roast me and like all our videos is like we called out we drove to western australia we called it the west coast roast tour because like all all we do is fucking rip on each other like i could never do anything too cool for my friends to tell me i'm still just a fucking stoner nerd you know yeah it's it's funny you say that because whenever i'm with my boys one of my um one of my mates dane always says to me goes mate i don't care how big you get i'll never remind you that you're a fucking goose that like and that's just that's what mates are for man yeah yeah yeah, hey, I yeah. want to talk about some of the experiences that put a smile on your face. Some of the really memorable moments throughout your journey thus far that you look back on and, and have some real pride over, but also of the stories, you know, we all have the spaghetti stories as my old man calls them that we love to tell at a dinner table at a, yeah. or at a dinner party. What are the ones for you that are really memorable and notable? Oh, fuck. I don't know, eh? Um, I mean, I just, the, I guess just like the travel that I got to do was pretty insane. Like, I remember there was, there was one, it's not really a story I tell, but I feel like this was one moment where I really was like, fuck, you got a sick life, dude. Like, it's pretty insane what you're up to. As I was, um, I was standing, I went to Alaska um, to shoot a snowmobile ski race in the north pole for red bull so like we we get there we've got me and, and anthony who's a still friend of mine today he's a producer at red bull we um we land in anchorage and then we fucking we get this motorhome where we drive for like eight or nine hours north of anchorage into the north pole and it was the fucking most incredible experience like it was so sick and anyway so we we get to this place that night we it was the coldest i'd ever been like i've never experienced cold like that in my life and still to this day a cold is such a relative term now because of going to this place and um and then we went and we ate like we ate fucking everything on in this cabin like caribou sausage and deer and reindeer and like all this insane shit um just with like this local family that lived in this tiny cabin on this uh frozen lake you know so it was something it was just something completely removed to anything I'd ever experienced. And then we didn't really have any phone service. And I'd actually forgot to tell my mum that I was going to Alaska. I'm super close with my mum. And so I'm, I'm just got dropped off by a helicopter onto like this fucking ridgeline in, in Alaska. And I got this random bit of service. And my mum is like, hey, are you all right? I haven't heard from you in a couple of days. Like, what are you up to? And I sent her like a selfie on this fucking ridgeline. There was like glaciers all over. And I just wrote like, I forgot to tell you I was in Alaska. And that's all the mess. That's all the message said. And that, that was definitely a moment where I was like, fuck man, you know, you've like, you know, you're living a very weird life when you forget, like it's just not even on your radar to tell your mum that you're going to Alaska. That's man. I love that story. That's so funny. Cause I'm really tight with my mum too. And, and my mum and I speak probably two times a day on the phone, three times a day. Like we're really like in communication, sort of like always in touch family. And mate, if I go to Woolies and my mum hasn't heard from me for half an hour after she called me, <laughs> she sent out a search party. <laughs> so I, I my get My mum would like to talk to me three times a day, but it ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
but I, I love that man. And I've, I've actually gone back to it at the moment. So I'll admit through lock, lockdown has been a really nice time for me here in, for, I guess for the listeners up there in Queensland um, or from wherever <laughs> around the world, because bloody hell you're connected um, that are listening to this from your side of the fence. Um, I live here in Wollongong or the Illawarra of New South Wales and we're in lockdown at the moment. Beautiful and spot for those who don't know. Oh, it's stunning, man. I love it. I'm such an advocate for here. Mm. I, I could run the fucking Wollongong tourist page. I'm, I love it, eh? And yeah, you know, that's so like, sick. lockdown for me has been a really nice time. I run, I'm quite outdoorsy. So I, I spent a lot of time just, and when I run, like I'm just no music, just in my thoughts thinking, and it's been a nice time to regather thoughts, right? With a little bit less distraction, a, a little a few fewer people around me, you know, just me, a little bit of my own company. And it's sort of been, I guess, the the thought, I've been writing a lot lately to get a lot of ideas out on paper and just clear a bit of the mind. And one thing that I feel is maybe a little bit, um, I guess, a little bit of lust for experience, right? For a bit of travel, for a bit of adventure. Mm, I'm feeling it too, to be honest. Yeah, and it's and it's been two years since I've got away. And the last time I got away was actually up into to your area, Burley, for three days on a long weekend, which was a whole heap of fun. That's another story. Um, but just for me, like this want or need to go and almost spread my wings. Like I'm the kind of guy that because of my family never expect this of me, but because of how grateful I am for what they've done for me in my life and the opportunity I have to be healthy and just like living the life that I want to lead right now is like that. It's such a profound appreciation that I almost feel like Mm. I'm at a point where I can see like my dad and his partner in a really great place in their life. They got the caravan, they got their place in Spain. They love to travel. They love to take my Mm. dog, um, their grandson Hunter with them around in the caravan. Like my mum has got her place. She's in a great place in her life. She's got a career sorted my sister and her partner have now got their own place and like they're creating their life together. And I feel like everyone is in such a good place that it's almost this feeling of freedom for me that I can go and spread my wings now and Mm. make my life happen and kind of trying to figure out what that path looks like. And I know, I feel like I know what my purpose is. It's to be a storyteller and to have profound impact for the people who choose to listen in some way, shape or form. But I don't necessarily know what the vehicle is yet. And that's what I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out. And and I think there's this real want to go and experience that. So when I hear stories like you standing on, you know, the top of a mountain in you know, the North Pole and, you know, having these experiences and, and you hear, and one guy I've been watching a lot of and listening to a lot of again lately is I'm not much of a reader, but I read Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was incredibly perspective shifting for me. I really love that book. And I've heard lots of good reviews. Did you read it or audio book it? I actually read it, but I've heard good things about the audio book. And mate, I'm a fucking yeah. terrible reader. I'm a great listener, but I'm a terrible reader because I'm so easily distracted. But it was one thing I could not put down. And I think yeah. it was just this, this real admiration for a guy who at the top of his field and at the top of what you would call a celebrity status has the ability to ground himself and go away from it all and just search of who he is as a human being again and to continue Mm. creating those really meaningful experiences like hearing him talking about sort of just making a success of himself in the movie space and then him and his dog, Miss Hud, getting in a bloody caravan in an RV and driving across the country while he's doing these meetings. And for me, that's fascinating. That's that's living life, right? Not being confined Mm. or chained to 
one area. And so I love hearing these stories, man. It inspires me. And I think whether at the point in time, like you were there for a work thing, but I, th- I just think travel and meeting people and all those things are, are so much bigger and so much more educational than sometimes we even realize in the moment They have more impact than mm. we can actually feel or see when we're there experiencing it. And yeah. I think- yeah. And, and the thing is too, man, is like you don't have to go to Alaska to get that, you know, like I got, I got that exact same feeling. We just drove to Western Australia across the Nullarbor and like we got to the great Australian bite and stood on the cliffs. And I got that, the same feeling of like being in Alaska, I got it right here at home, you know? So I just think like, it's fucking so available, man. Like all, you know, you can find that same level of like beauty and wonder in, in a, just a sunset, at you know, like a local beach. Um, yeah. So I think that sometimes we um, romanticize like the stuff that's so far away, but I think that you can get to the same thing by just driving literally wherever you are in Australia, just fucking drive West and you'll see and as alien a landscape as, as Alaska, you know? Yeah. It's, it's crazy because I think sometimes it just all boils down to moving outside a comfort zone and, comfort zones yeah, aren't, exactly aren't what it is. I don't think they're always a bad thing like I'm really comfortable in my hometown but I love it here there's so many great things that happen for me in this area but I think it's like anything like I ran my first ever marathon last year after only running for a couple of months it was the best day of my life it like it meant so much to me there's so much more to it than just mm. running a marathon but it was this feeling that's given me so much inspiration and so much meaning to who I am as a person and it's just because mm. I suffered for fucking four and a bit hours. And I think there's really something to be said for that. And that's what I'm just trying to do. I think I'm in, I'm in search of those moments that challenge me a little more mm. personally and, and are outside of my comfort zone. And I think just finding the right opportunities to do that, or maybe sometimes just taking the leap of faith. What would you say is the greatest mm. lesson or some of the greatest lessons you've learned in your life throughout those challenging and, and adventurous experiences. Mm. I think that there's a couple, there's a couple, well, I, I think probably the biggest thing, and I mean, if you fucking listen to, if anyone listens to the Gypsy Tales, have heard me talk about it a thousand times, but um, a few years ago, like I took, I started doing meditation quite seriously and like the study around, not just doing it and doing the sitting, but also like a lot of, just trying to get knowledge around, um, you know, those concepts. And, and I really kind of am, I guess, like a, an advocate of uh, certain ways of thinking about your conscious experience, if that makes sense. Um, I just don't think that we're, I don't think that we're, we're selves in the way that we think we are. You know, I think we identify with thoughts so much um and you know like i was saying like you kind of watch the movie of your life like i think when you realize um and you just can do this by just sitting down and seeing how your thoughts appear um what thoughts appear are you in control of those thoughts do you know what thoughts coming next you know when you really sit down and just watch the way that um like you appear in your own mind um there's i think there's some really good insights to be found there um, that can kind of free you from a lot of baggage um, and a lot of, you know, like that kind of mental sort of suffering um, that, 
we all go through. And I think that um, free the the whole argument around free will, like if you can really kind of get your head around that, I think I don't know how it sounds to people. I think I wonder if it sounds like super fucking hokey and weird. Um, but I think that there's some yeah, there's some real baggage that comes with even the thought of or like the concept of like free will, like you're the one that authors your thoughts. And it's like, if that was the case, like if you were the one that decided what you were going to think, you'd never think a bad thought again. You'd never be in a bad mood. You know what I mean? Like, and even, you know, before you said like a, a to make someone smile. Well, like a smile is only an impactful thing because you didn't know it was coming. Hmm. Like if you, you know what I mean? Like if you, like, if you fake a smile, it's not a smile anymore, is it? Yeah. So there is this, like when you really, really, really spend time looking at the way we actually are, um, I think that you can really free yourself from a lot of, you know, the need to travel, the the need to be successful, the need for this, uh, to get this many views or even like motivation, you know, like I can, I can clearly see now what motivation is and, you know, so that I think that that's probably been my biggest lesson in life. Like my, my, honestly, my life, everything in my life got better as I kind of explored this, um, this kind of lane and then like really practice it, gave it some good time with the open mind. And I'm still something I think about every single day. It's like still this constant kind of, um, I don't know. It's like a discipline, you know, it's like a, the same for me as like motocross or jujitsu or work or reading. It's just like a, it's an endeavor, you know? So I think that would be like my biggest lesson in life is just taking the time to sit down and, and see how I appear in my own mind and like how everything appears in my mind. Um, and then, so I guess that would be on like more of a overall kind of level. Um, but I mean, there is still this level of like, okay, you are, at the mercy of your thoughts and you do get connected to these thoughts and you do uh you are this like you've always got this feeling of free will and that you make decisions and you make choices so then when you're in that lane like how do you make better choices um so i think that my things that i've kind of learned in that regard is that there's like beauty in every situation like your sickness for example like there's there's a duality to those things that is really, really hard to understand, but it's always there. So like, you've got this terrible illness that causes this, like uh, that, you know, you could die from this illness, but then as a result of that looming reality that you could die from this, you actually extract so much more out of life. So there's this duality to everything in life and, you know, you can, apply so that's like applied to a negative thing but then you can apply it to a positive thing like making more money well then that might be a positive but on the this side of the coin then you're going to have more taxes you're going to pay you're going to have like it's going to be harder to manage that money you're probably going to buy shit that's going to mean that you're going to need to make that sort of money over and over and over again to sustain it so i think that um you know that advice becomes great if you're in a position in your life where it kind of objectively fucking sucks. Like you haven't got that much money. You're not having much luck. You know, if you didn't have bad luck, you wouldn't have any luck at all. So it's like, if you can have that framework and go like, okay, so for as equally fucked as this situation is right now, there are uh, the exact amount of positives that can be extracted from this situation. 
So I think that to be able to, I guess like, and I can look back in every fucked up situation in my life and I can do that now with hindsight. So it's like, how do you live with hindsight in the moment? <laughs> you know? And it's like, know that whatever shit situation you're in, just be calibrated to instantly see the the good and the bad in those situations. And then you can kind of achieve like a bit of equanimity and you can just go forward, you know? Yeah, it's a it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? And yeah, I really like yeah. that. I want to dive down the rabbit hole a little bit of what you started that that answer with and do you believe in fate? Uh, not nah, nah. Not really, not really. Because for nah, me, it so almost like, felt like that's sort of like what you were sort of going down the lines of. Almost that um, life is a little bit scripted in a sense. In a sense that we're here being, and there's certain things that are out of our control. Did I translate that wrong? Or no, no, no. Like yeah. So you, that's that's right. But I would say that fate doesn't account for randomness i like and like yeah so and and you can just like in terms of physics like you can um you can count on randomness essentially you know there's like i'm not smart enough to to fully explain those things but there there is a way that science can account for randomness in the universe so but i mean like who we are, you know how there's like the the argument of like nature versus nurture. Yeah. So it's like which one produces this? Is it nature or nurture? It's literally 50-50. Like who you are and like the conversation in your head, like the self that rides like shotgun to your experience that explains like, oh, I'm really hot today. Oh, I'm really tired. I'm this, I'm that. I'm like the thing that describes your um, your life, the narrator that rides in your head, the person that you talk to when you're trying to make a decision, uh, that is like his nature in terms of this is the DNA that you were built with. Um, this is what was given for you. The all shit you had no choice in, like you couldn't pick um, how you're born with an illness or with whatever it is. And then you also didn't pick the, the economic state that you were brought into, economic uh state of the country that you're born into so there's that shit is just so it's out of it's out of your control and so like you're born into space and time and those things almost run in parallel and what's in the middle of that thing the fucking you know the conscious agent is as a direct result of what's happening um when those two things run side by side together yeah so in in a sense like so that argument is called determinism. Uh, so it's like every action that you do is predicated on the action that came before. So that's kind of the basis for that argument around uh, around free will. But then there's just complete randomness that gets thrown into the equation, which I essentially like can't really leave room for fate in my eyes. No, I get that. And I like it. I like it because I often... I guess, tussle with that idea that there's certain things of our life that I feel like one, one thing I have, so I would say, I don't know whether you are or not, or whether you even want to comment on it, but to a degree, there is a a religious side to me. Um, And in, in the sense that I think there are certain beliefs that I'd like to have and that I'd like to believe that I think are really like, give me a sense of peace. So like I've spoken Mm. about it before on the podcast, when my parents divorced. So 
probably doesn't sound like my parents are divorced. They've got amazing relationships still. Their partners get on, like everyone gets on. It's kind of this weird, super functional, but kind of shouldn't be dynamic. That works really well for us. And for the first time in my life at the age of probably 11 or 12, being in, you know, might've been a mum's house for a couple of nights. And I didn't know whether dad was getting to bed safe because he was a copper at the time. And, you know, being at dad's Mm. house, I didn't know when mum was safe at home. Like, had she got home okay from work or wherever she was, was she going to bed at ease, you know, healthy and safe. And it kind of like for the first time in my life, I felt out of control of my family dynamics. So the only thing I knew to do was Mm. just to put it out of my hands, right. To pray to, a higher power in my case being God coming from a a Christian school and Christian background to give me some sense of like freedom over the matter. And that's something that Mm -hmm. since that night, you know, 14 years ago, 13 years ago, it's just been a common practice that I can't put my head on the pillow until I do that every night. It gives me a sense of peace within, Mm -hmm. but I have this theory and I don't know how wacky or weird this sounds. I've only explained it to a few people. So you're one of the first. Um, is I that love weird and wacky? <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool, right? It makes you think that as a kid, I used to get a lot. Um, a lot of my parents' friends and a lot of my family would, you know, say the same thing to me quite consistently. That that idea of you've been here bef- before, like you've walked this earth mm. before. There's certain things that you understand at a young age you probably shouldn't, or like certain views that I had on life as a kid around mortality and life and what this all meant to be on this floating object that is earth. Um, that mm. were kind of unexplainable for a young kid. And in sort of the last six months, I've been thinking about this theory. I remember speaking to someone who was dramatizing a really simple and quite undramatic um, thing in their mm. life. And I just, it hit me. I was like, that person hasn't been here before. Like it's almost like Mm -hmm. for them, that's the first time they've ever experienced um, minor loss or frustration or sadness or anger um, in a form that they don't know how to communicate it and they don't know how to shift their perspective or understand it from a different point of view that it became, Mm. it became like the, the worst thing in the world. And like, if someone had sat in front of them and, you know, revealed that their child had cancer, it's like they wouldn't be able to sympathize with that because their thing was so bad. And I just mm. thought, oh, they've not been here before. And that's no diss on that person or that's no dis, you know, disrespect or not being negative towards them in any way, shape or form. But I just thought there's almost this theory that I have that as human beings, some of us have been here before and our souls travel to other bodies or I don't know how it works or how the connection of the science of it is. But maybe some of us are here for the first time. Maybe some of us have lived lives before, but the experiences that we have allow us to handle and deal with the next life a little better. Mm. And so I thought maybe for me having cystic fibrosis and being born with that and from a young age, being really okay with that and understanding what that meant, but having this incredibly positive outlook on it all, maybe that's because in some other life I've been a parent who had a child who was sick and I just understand that Mm. that's out of my hands or like, I don't know, maybe, you know, something that I, I sort of tussle with that theory that, Maybe we've not all been here for the first time and maybe life does go on after this, but I definitely believe the things we learn and the experiences we have allow us to have greater impact in the next one. And, or whether that just be lasting lot, you know, impact in the life that we're living now. There's a quote that I love from gladiator shout out to Russell Crowe. And 
Yeah, Rusty. I've actually I've actually got a tattoo booked. I was supposed to have it this week during lockdown, but it got cancelled. And uh-huh. um, one of the pieces was just a quote from that movie, and it says that what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I really love that mm-hmm. because I believe whether that be in yourself consciously and you know or in your soul, and that translates to another body in future time, or whether that just be in written word or in a story that's told long after you're here. I believe who we are and the experiences we're having have far greater impact than just this life. Oh, definitely. And there's definitely like a, I mean, I'm not sure. Like I I try and spend literally zero time thinking about anything that goes beyond that, like life, you know what I mean? Um, Just, I'm not, I don't know why, for whatever reason. Um, And yeah, but there, there is like, like look at the internet like that is just the collective consciousness like that is the thing like everything is there so i don't know we're all we all um yeah it seems like we all share the same conscious experience and like that is one of that's probably science's greatest mystery at the moment it's just like what is conscious experience and like how is something conscious uh, and another thing is not, I mean, we kind of had like this huge scientific breakthrough um, in terms of like what gives life over something that is lifeless. And, you know, scientists found out the double helix and DNA. So it's like, are we going to find the next thing in some later date? And that thing is the double helix of like what consciousness is. And then, you know, that opens up this whole new field of, you know, studying into like why we even have an experience at all. You know what I mean? Like my dog is like, he's having an experience, like he's alive, but does he have a self in his head that he's relating his own experience to? And there's, there's so many mysteries just around consciousness in in general of like, if you, um, if you cut the corpus callosum in the brain, then you get two conscious halves of the same brain that, not connected at all like it's two completely different consciousness like you can so the the left hemisphere of the brain can't verbalize anything but with the with the left hand it could write something down so you can ask a split brain patient and you can say to that person what do you want to be like what's your career goal and the 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 um, right hemisphere which is the one that can actually speak will say like i want to be a podcaster and then the left, left hemisphere will literally write down astronaut or fucking rock singer. And there's just zero, there's zero correlation. So like there's so many mysteries around just like what our conscious experience is. And uh, yeah, it's a fucking, it's a pretty, it's just a subject we know nothing about. And it's, and it, it's sort of like, that's the place I just try and live my life. I fucking don't know anything, but what I, like all I know is what I can observe. And I think that's why for me, the practice of like sitting down and meditating is just like, that's just confirmation. Like, okay, what is, what is actually going on here for you? Like what thoughts come up? Would you have chosen that thought if you could? Okay. So obviously you don't really have a choice. Like you're just this fucking kind of like a hamster on a wheel, you know? Um, and I, I often, I think that, you know, like that person that is, you described that is like making a mountain out of a molehill. You know, it's like that person is just like captured by a thought that they didn't author. You know what I mean? 
they're just like they're fucking watching the movie and they're telling you about the movie that they're like the convert it's funny like uh you get somebody that'll text you something like oh i've got such a bad headache and it's like okay like you just text me a thing that you like you just said that to yourself and then you just text it to me you know (laughs) so that i think that for the most part people are just like we're just a slave to whatever fucking thought pops in our head and we identify with those thoughts and if, if there's no process that you've got of like auditing those thoughts and like really seeing you know the true nature of i guess like the the mystery of where they come from you know so like i guess i've decided that i don't want to be all of my thoughts i'll just i'm not responsible for the good ones i'm not responsible for the bad ones i'll try and live from this place where i've got like a little bit like enough distance from them that i can kind of give myself a chance to decide like what is a good thing to do and you know what i mean like have some distance to apply like rational thinking and solid morals but other than that it's just like hands off the fucking wheel you know hands off the wheel i love it and that's what makes life exciting right the last thing I want to sort of touch on is we've heard about your amazing experiences, I guess the path of your career, the path of your life is I really want to dive into, you know, when you're not behind the lens, when you're not, you know, behind the mic or in front of the camera on gypsy tales, who's Jace? Like what are the things you love to do? What makes you, you? Uh, what makes me, me is a very obsessive personality. Okay. <laughs> so I've learned that's one thing that I've learned is that 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 obsessive personality needs to be channeled into things that are productive and it could be channeled into very unproductive things which I've been into in the past or it could be channeled into productive things um I've definitely tried to uh the last couple of years like I really really decided like okay I'm gonna fucking properly have a crack and like really you know, apply myself and really try and work hard, really try and have some discipline. Um, And it's funny, I actually listened to this interview with Warren Buffett um, where he said, make a list of 25 things that you like to do. And then numbers six through 25 become your do not ever do this under any circumstances list. And I was like, hmm, okay. So then, then you've got these five things that you're left with and you're like, fuck, I need to be ruthless with this. Um, and it's, man, it's fucking insane how, how true those, that whole five thing rule is. So I've got, um, I've got um, like body and mind um, and then I've got gypsy tales, I've got jujitsu, um, I've got reading and I've got uh, motocross. And I've, that, that's my five things. So for the last couple of years, man, like I've honestly just dedicated my life to doing five things and five things only. I've got rid of my TV. I haven't, I've watched two movies in two years. I watched The Matrix and Borat 2. I haven't watched a fucking Netflix show. I haven't like literally nothing. If it's not on that list of, of five things, then I just fucking don't do it. So, and it's, I love uh, that, so yeah, man. my That's life so is cool. honestly, it's fucking, it's insane. And, and I've, I've started to, um, yeah, I've just started to like really, really, really enjoy the process of all of those things. Like I'm, I'm a really big advocate for like stretching and mobility. Um, jiu-jitsu is insanely important to me. Um, that's the thing that 
I'm struggling with to do the most at the moment, just like schedule wise. And it's just, it's been quite hard to, to get to like set classes at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just got those things and I just try and get better at them for no other reason than just getting better at them. <laughs> like I don't want to attach any goals to any of those things. I don't want to win competitions. I don't want to win races. I don't want to read a certain amount of books. I don't want to have the number one podcast, like nothing that I do um at the moment has any goal attached to it it's just like they're the things that i've picked um and that's i guess the uh yeah what i'm like sort of really doubling down into the thing i was going to say is um so this is where the five things thing actually matters so essentially i've got six because i've got to put relationships into there so i got body and mind i just didn't talk about relationships and the thing is is that I tried to have motocross and work like I tried to squish those two things together uh, and say like, Oh, well, motocross is part of work, you know, like oh, we've got all the guests come on, we got to do these rides and we got like sponsors that give a shit. And, uh, and then that essentially pushes jujitsu out the window. So it's fucking very important to, to have your priorities and stick to them. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's the reason why I think I've um, been out of like, make quite a lot of headway in the last in terms of um if you wanted to have like objective metrics and success like quote unquote i think that the um any goal that you could have like in terms of downloads of the podcast like let's say if that was like a metric that i was like really focused on like that it was an outcome and i wanted to work to do that um i have no idea like where i'd be right now but without focusing on that metric is like a, it's not a goal i don't have any download numbers or anything in mind or money so I, i've completely smashed every single thing that i ever thought was possible and i i would have given myself like rough timelines to hit like so yeah like may was the biggest month we've ever had by so much it's out of control and I couldn't have told if you asked me to like put a day on when I would have hit those kind of numbers on, on iTunes, I couldn't have told you like it, and it would not have been in May this year. So I think that um, like, honestly, my life has gotten better by focusing solely on like these few things and doing them just for the sake of doing them well. Um, and then not worrying about any other outcomes. And as a, like a byproduct, my life's gotten much better than I ever thought it could be. I, man, I love that because I've been on that same journey, sort of freeing myself of the the numbers, the statistics, the things that almost changed the reason why you're doing it to begin with. And yeah. there's something fucking freeing about it, something that feels really good about just being better, like you said, just going on the journey of trying to be better at what you do because you love it. It's one of those five yeah. things. And yeah, I like that. I might have to do that. I might have to write a list, eh? Yeah, it's hard. The the thing is too, man, like this was another, this was like a really fucking good insight that come from just this constant practice of, you know, the things that I've been talking about. But so the other day I was like, I was editing some, just some fucking YouTube shit. And then I was like, I stopped what I was doing. I was like mid thumbnail, like mid YouTube thumbnail. And I stopped what I was doing and I typed in my iTunes hosting and I was going to check my numbers. I was going to get a refresh fucking see everything go up by a few thousand and be like pumped i'll get back to doing my thumbnail and then i stopped myself and i was like i just had this pretty like complex thought hit me very quickly and i was like 
okay, you, this is the, the definition of seeking. Like you're seeking something outside of yourself to try and give you motivation. And then I was like, okay, so who decides how much motivation this gives me? Like, what's the process of like, so let's say the episode went from like 100,000 to 110,000 in the space of me refreshing it. What is like, what am I looking for? Is there like a specific like number of motivations that I'm going to get given that's then going to make this thumbnail great, which is then like whatever motivation that I would get from seeing that number on a screen actually already exists inside me. I would be the one that would have to produce the motivation. So like essentially I was looking at this external thing or this thing that I viewed as external on a screen that would then like, like do its fucking thing and just translate into motivation in my brain that would make me feel good and make me, you know, so I was like literally looking outside of myself for this, um, like at this object that, that was then going to give me this internal motivation. And I was just like, hmm, this is like fucked up. So it's like this, this, uh, like I was trying to be at the mercy of whatever those few numbers were that come up on the screen. And then I was like, okay, let's just not check those numbers and let's just make the fucking thumbnail. Whatever the motivation is that I was going to get from that screen is already inside me. Like I actually don't need that. And I think that it's in that little example, like you can fucking apply that to everything, dude. Like whether it's how you look or whether it's fucking how much money you've got, all of these things, like at the end of the day, whatever it is that you've got externally, your brain is the thing that's going to put a, a tangible value on that. So it's like, you're only ever going to be at the mercy of what you think that thing is worth. Like if I put on a new, like this is, I fucking love this sweater. You know, I was I mean? actually like, going to say, I was going to many... compliment you on that. Cause I fucking dig the, the detail on the collar. Yeah. It's a fucking six sweater actually. Uh, but yeah, it's like, so how many, how much does this give me as a, a over a, if I wore a bond sweater, you know what I mean? So it's literally inside your mind that dictates it's worth anyway. So like, what the fuck, why bother looking out outside for whatever it is like motivation or approval, it all exists inside your fucking brain anyway. Like at some point you've just got to do the conversion and then you're at the mercy of your brain's conversion of that value. So it's like, fuck all that shit. It all exists inside you anyway. Just do it to do it and let the chips fall where they may. I think that's a really, really good way to end off today's interview because I feel like that's something each and every one of us could, you know, we, we're often in, in search of it and we often feel like we practice it, but we could always use a bit of work with it. Um, self-validation over external validation and it's something that I always say, I don't care what people think, um, but to a degree, we, we fall into the trap of, of caring too much at certain points in time. And as I said before, I really started to care what the numbers were and I lost myself a little bit in the process. So yeah. I guess it's, it's tapping into your brain and like you said, creating the value for yourself, what it means to you, how it feels, um, what difference that makes in your life and whether it aligns with purpose or not. Jace, what a chat, really good time talking to you. And I know that everybody on the other side of this video or audio will get so much out of it. 
I want to make sure that all of your links um, and taglines are in the description, um, whether it be on YouTube yep. or the audio platforms here, so everyone can get around to you. Uh, but do you want to give some of your stuff a quick shout out so some of the people can come by and have a squeeze? Um, yeah, just I guess if you um, search Gypsy Tales on like Instagram, YouTube, or iTunes, Spotify, um, one of our episodes should hopefully pop up. And get around you, the human himself. Like I said, all the links and descriptions in today's bio. Jace, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, we've had a lot to talk about. Um, funnily enough, that's the name of the show. And if you're hearing this, watching this for the first time, thank you for tuning in. If you're here for the second time or one of the many times that you've tuned in, thank you so much. It's you guys that keeps this alive and thriving. And I'm really glad that I can make something that's of some impact to a few of you or hopefully many of you one day. Um, take care, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for having me and let me dribble my nonsense. Cheers. My pleasure. Cheers.